The next thing for me to do is to introduce our speaker, Pete Sims, who is not only a dear friend, but an incredible leader who always brings challenge and something practical that we can implement into our daily lives. Uh, so wherever you are, open your heart to what God is gonna say to you this morning through the incredible Pete Sims. Over to you. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be speaking with you this morning. Hope you're doing well. I uh, love watching movies and have you noticed in movies sometimes you hear this line, we interrupt this broadcast to bring you some breaking news. Well, that's what I feel happened this morning as I came to record this message. So I am going to get to the talk that I've got planned, but before then, I'm going to interrupt my own broadcast with something that I feel is from the heart of the Father for us this morning. And it's a very simple message. It's this, keep going church. Keep going church. A few weeks ago, as the snow melted, it was incredible to see, wasn't it, the first signs of spring pushing up from the ground. It filled me with such excitement, such happiness, such hope. The temperature was warmer, in fact, for a while, ridiculously warmer. Do you remember it? The nights now are starting to get longer again. We've got lighter mornings and I don't think I've ever been so pleased to see the crocuses in bloom or to see the daffodils pushing up through the lawns and through the soil. Yes, I may be getting older, but there's something special about spring this year. And then came the roadmap, didn't it? This four-step route out of lockdown. We were all given these key dates can you remember them all? Tomorrow's a big one, isn't it, with the schools reopening again. How did it make you feel when you saw the roadmap? I know for me and for many, it felt like a breath of fresh air. The end is in sight. Spring is here. It's nearly time for barbecues, for holidays. And can you finally believe it? We are going to be able to gather soon in just a matter of months. Yes. Hope is rising. Do you feel that? The end is in sight. And yet, it's been difficult. For many of us. I know that from personal experience and from speaking to many of many other people, lots of us are having a tough time at the moment. We can see the hope of what's in the future, but now is still really difficult. And I feel it's into that situation that the Lord wants to speak this morning. Are you feeling like that today? That although you can see the hope in the future, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, you're having a tough day today. If that's you, I want to stand alongside you today. I want to put my virtual arm around you and tell you that it's okay. I feel the same. Many of us do. And way more importantly than my arm going around you, God this morning, God the Father wants to stand alongside you and me today. Put his, his arms around us and tell us that it is okay. It's okay. I think in marathon terms, many of us have hit the wall. In a marathon, this dreaded wall situation occurs at about 20 miles of running. The end is almost in sight, but you're not there yet. In fact, there's still six miles to go, but you have done such a big percentage of the journey. It's the point where the stored energy in your muscles has become completely depleted. It's run out. You've got nothing left. And so your body is forced to slow down. And many people in a marathon stop at this point, not because they don't want to get to the finishing line and not because they don't know it's just around the corner, but because they feel they have nothing left. And it's from this point that I feel our Heavenly Father today wants to encourage us. 
Let's turn together to a couple of scriptures. The first is Isaiah 40 from verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Do you need to know that today? Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, that's you and me, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He can and will renew your and my strength today. We can run and not grow weary. We can walk and not faint. How? By putting once again our hope in Jesus. And secondly, Hebrews 12. Let us run with perseverance the, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. He began your faith story. He is going to complete it. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So if you feel you're growing weary and losing heart today, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's see what he was able to endure for the joy that was set before him. Let's not grow weary and lose heart when the end is in sight. If you feel like you've hit the wall, let me encourage you this morning that we can get through the weariness in two ways. Fix our eyes on Jesus from Hebrews and by hoping in the Lord from Isaiah. Spring is here. Let hope arise in your hearts. We can do it. You can do it. I feel the Lord would say to us, keep going, church. Just keep going. Now, we are back to the normal transmission. That was the breaking news. And now it's time for me to condense my message um, and talk about the theme we've been speaking on, which is under construction, developing a Christ-like character. And that's something I really want to do. I want to look more like Jesus and be more like him every day. I want to be able to get to the end of every year and think, yep, I am now looking a bit more like Jesus in the way that I behave, the way that I act. As I was thinking about what to speak on for under construction, I asked myself this question. And I think it's a, a really important question that we all should be able to answer. What do I love about Jesus? It's a good question, isn't it? What do you love about Jesus? You see, some people might say to you, oh, why are you a Christian? Why do you believe all that rubbish? But actually, we're noticing that some people are saying to us, can you tell me a bit more about this Jesus of yours? And if we've never taken the time to think, what is it I actually love about Jesus? What do I love about this man, and about my incredible God? What, what is it about Jesus that is so attractive to me? I think it's a great question to be able to share with other people. And one of the things I, I wanted to, that sprung to mind for me today was kindness. I love how kind Jesus is. It's incredible. And that's what I would like to unpack with you for the rest of our time together this morning. I'm just going to start by telling you a little story about an act of kindness. I'm sure that we can all recall a time when someone has shown us kindness and how maybe it's caught us off guard. 
how it made us feel when someone was so kind to us or the feeling it gave to you when you were kind to somebody else. I remember a time when Nikki, me and Nikki's mum went out for dinner together. Not the perfect romantic date, granted. Nevertheless, we did have a lovely time. And at the end of the meal, we went to pay our bill, only to find that our bill had already been paid in full by somebody else. Someone from this church had spotted us and lavished kindness on us. Nikki and I were so blown away by this gesture. It was incredible. What an amazing thing for somebody to do. But the strongest reaction came from Nikki's mum. You see, she hasn't experienced the generosity of a church family and that we might do that kind of thing for each other. And first of all, she felt guilty. Oh, no. Oh, no, that's terrible. They can't do that for us. That's awful. I feel terrible. Why, why would they do that? And she really didn't enjoy it at all. Then she said, right, I need their, their address. I've got to write them a card. I've got to send them some flowers. She talked about this occasion with her friends. She brought it up on many subsequent occasions. Why? Because kindness had an impact. A couple of months ago, the start of December, many of us will have received our Skylark Church Kindness Advent Calendar. Thank you, Anna Robson, for designing that and getting that for us. It was great. Each day we had to excitedly scratch off the next number of the Advent Calendar and discover what act of kindness we'd be doing that day. It was great. And earlier in 2020, I spoke in a soundbite and then on a Sunday morning about how we need to be kind to ourselves during this time. It's been a message that we've heard repeated many ways in the last year. How's that been going for you? Have you managed to be kind to yourself? Have you learned to do that? You see, we're all a work in progress, aren't we? We haven't made it yet. We just want to keep being developed to become more like Jesus. And so today's message I've called Growing in Kindness, Developing the Christ-like Attribute of Kindness. Kindness is such a powerful, strong word. And yet... It's so frequently viewed as less than that, isn't it? It's as though kindness and sort of weakness and niceness all walk pathetically hand in hand together. But kindness isn't like that at all. Kindness regularly requires strength and it requires resolve. Let's not confuse kindness with being nice. Let me define it for you. Kindness is a type of behaviour marked by acts of generosity, consideration or concern for others without expecting praise or reward. As I was researching this, I came across some of the words of Maya Angelou, the American poet and civil rights activist who passed away in 2014. And she said this, it takes courage to be kind, particularly when people around you are being unkind. It takes courage to be kind when people around you are being unkind. Let's have a look at some of the courageous kindness of our beautiful Jesus. In Luke chapter 5, we hear the story of a leper who came to Jesus. And it reads like this from verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered in leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. It's a short story, but I think it's beautiful. 
I think it's incredible. We need to set the scene a bit. And for those of you who've been around church, you understand about leprosy. But maybe some people haven't heard this stuff before. If in biblical times you had this skin disease known as leprosy, you were declared as unclean and you were no longer able to live with normal society. Can you imagine that? Catching an illness that meant you could no longer live with your family, with your friends, with your community. That you became outcast to an area that was set aside for people who had leprosy. And you could no longer come close to other people because, of, because you were no longer clean. You were unclean. If you were to venture near to uh, folk who weren't ill, you had to ring a bell everywhere you went and shout the word unclean, unclean as you walked so that people could distance themselves from you. What a dreadful stigma. People weren't allowed to go near to leprosy. They weren't allowed to touch it. Jesus as a rabbi certainly wasn't allowed to, to, to touch somebody who had leprosy. And so therefore, with that little backdrop, this story becomes all the more powerful. Jesus is in one of the towns. A man comes along who's covered in leprosy. Jesus should have backed off. People should have told him to get back to his colony. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Do you see why he's using the word clean? And I love the fact that Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. That's incredible. That is such a kind thing to do. We know that Jesus was able to perform miracles without actually touching people. He could say the word and it would be done. So the physical touch from Jesus wasn't necessary for the miracle, but it was necessary for the man because Jesus was showing him absolute kindness. And when I picture the story, I, I, I picture Jesus sort of kneeling down, squatting down by this guy, not standing on high and reaching out a hand, but actually getting down on the ground where the guy is. Reaching out his hand and touching this man with leprosy. Breaking stigma in one moment, smashing strongholds and stereotypes, touching the untouchable, caring more about doing what was right than looking right in the eyes of religious people. Isn't that powerful? What a beautiful exchange. The kindness of Jesus in action. It turns sickness to healing, mourning to dancing, sorrow to joy, exclusion to inclusion, filthy to clean, outcast to included, untouchable to touched. Jesus didn't need to do those things, but he did it in his ultimate kindness. And I think the fact that he cared more about doing what was right and being kind to this guy over and above looking right in the eyes of religious people is a real challenge to us, isn't it? So often we look at situations and we weigh up how we're going to look, how we're going to appear in that scenario if we act like this then how do we look in the eyes of others but Jesus just did what was right and did what was kind there are loads more examples I'm going to fly through some at the wedding at Cana this is at the in John chapter 2 
Jesus actually in this story says he hasn't got to the time yet where he is going to begin his public ministry. He's had a wedding with his family. Um, weddings in these days lasted a long time, over a number of days. They weren't like us for a few hours. It might be a week-long wedding ceremony. And during this particular wedding, the wine runs out. And this is a huge embarrassment to the host, huge embarrassment. And Jesus, mum says to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus is saying, mum, mum, it's not my time yet. Uh, I haven't started yet. She's like, do what he tells you. So Jesus is kind to his mum, very kind to the host. And the, the miracle of water being turned to the best wine ever takes place. Such kindness. Jesus cared for the embarrassment that the host was having and he got himself involved. When in John chapter four, he went into Samaria. The woman was at the well in the heat of the day. Jesus, as a Jewish man, was not supposed to speak to a Samaritan, let alone a Samaritan woman. And yet he had a conversation with her. And once again, he showed such love and kindness. He broke down stereotypes. He, he changed the status quo and he got involved. And people would have looked on and thought, what does he think he's doing? He should not be doing that. But he didn't mind about that. He cared about the lady. He cared about the host at the wedding. He cared about the leper. He was kind to little children when the disciples thought they were just hassling him and they should be got out of the way. Jesus said, let the children come to me. And he put his hands on them. He blessed them. He held them. He hugged them. He was kind to them. He was kind to Zacchaeus, wasn't he? When Zacchaeus, this notorious tax collector who everybody hated in the, in the neighbourhood, when he got up a tree to see Jesus walking past, Jesus walked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Tonight I'm having dinner in your house. That was a really kind thing to do. That elevated Zacchaeus again. It, it, it saved him from where he was and brought him to a new level and ultimately led to a completely transformed life. I just want to point out a couple more instances of Jesus's kindness. He was so kind on the cross. Remember that quote from Maya Angelou, it takes courage to be kind when people around you are being unkind. What could be more unkind than the people who have just nailed you to a cross mocking you? And yet in that moment, Jesus is kind to the soldiers and he's concerned for their eternal salvation. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In that moment, he's kind to one of the criminals who is hanging next to him. He's kind to John and his mother. Look it up. Have a look. And finally, in John chapter 21, when Jesus has risen from the dead, he reinstates Peter. Peter, the one who has denied him three times. And said, said to people, I don't even know who this Jesus guy is. And he's wept bitterly and he feels so terrible. Jesus reinstates him three times to echo the three denials that Peter made. To reinstate his beloved friend and follower, Peter. He was so kind. I love Jesus so much. I love his kindness. How are we going to do it? How are we going to be kind? How are we going to grow in kindness? There are some practical things we can do, I think, from copying Jesus and learning from him. But there are also some spiritual things that we can do, too. Firstly, from Jesus, there are three things. 
seeing, action, and being willing to pay the price. We need to open our eyes and see. Jesus was never too preoccupied with life to see others. He was never too busy. He was never uninterested. I know personally I'm very preoccupied with things in life at the moment. I'm often too busy. And as a result, I can seem uninterested sometimes. But he never did that. Never too preoccupied. Never too busy. Never uninterested. We need to open our eyes to see what is going on around us. See people in need. To lift our eyes again from our own piece of the jigsaw. It's that message again coming through. And see the bigger picture. To see what's going on. To say, Lord, would you help me to see with your eyes today where I can show your kindness to others. And once we've had our eyes open, we then need to act in kindness. Even if it requires courage. We might be able to help someone. We might be able to be generous towards somebody. We might be able to protect someone, correct someone, because not all kindness is just cutesy. Sometimes to be kind, you need to correct people and set them back on the right path. Maybe we need to stand up for others. Maybe we need to be a voice to the voiceless, a light in the darkness. So we need our eyes opened and then we need to act. And it's even harder when others around us are being unkind. Maybe you need some courage today to be kind. And finally, open your eyes, act, pay the price. Be willing to pay the price. For some of us, when we're kind, it may literally be cash. You know, the person who bought our meal at the restaurant, that was so kind, that literally cost them money. But sometimes being kind can cost us in other ways. It might cost us emotionally because we choose to get involved in somebody else's story. And that's going to have an emotional cost for us. That's okay. We need to be willing to pay the price. Maybe reputationally. That's a big one, isn't it? We might pay the price reputationally. Jesus was prepared to do that all the time. Are we prepared to look bad in the eyes of other people, to have other people judge us and our motives so that we can be kind to people who need to know the kindness of God? I think it's time we did that. So we need to open our eyes. We need to act in kindness and we need to be willing to pay the price. They're the practical things we can do. But spiritually, there are things that we can do too. You see, there's more to it than just simply deciding to be more kind. Firstly, we need to understand the kindness of God towards us. In Ephesians 2, it says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And even when we were dead in, sorry, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show, listen to this bit, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The kindness of Jesus expressed to us, his love poured out on us, his forgiveness, his hope, his peace, his life, right standing with the Father, not giving us what we deserve, but instead giving us grace. The kindness of God displayed in Jesus. Spiritually, we need to understand that kindness that he has towards us. And we then need to allow that to change us from the inside out. 
In Romans 2, it says that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. You see, as we become more and more aware of God's kindness towards us, it leads to an internal transformation, that ongoing journey of repenting, of changing the way that we're living, to align ourselves more with his way of being. Let's understand his kindness and let's allow it to transform us from the inside out. And in Galatians 5, very interestingly, Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit. He says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And these are the result of closeness with the Spirit in our lives. If we if we spend time close to Father, Son and Holy Spirit, fruit will be produced in us. And one of the fruits that's produced is kindness. Not because we choose it, not because we, we choose to be kind and we're going to try to tick some boxes to be a good boy today. No, but because of who we're hanging out with. Because we're hanging out with the Father, Son and Spirit, we are having that fruit developed in our lives for all to see. And if we compare that with John 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches and you will bear much fruit if you stay grafted and you abide with me. If you are close to me, you're going to bear fruit. It's the same kind of picture. And that fruit will include kindness. Not about a decision to be kind, but because of who we're choosing to hang out with on a daily basis. So as we develop that continued closeness with the Father, Son and Spirit, that place of yielding our will, that place of obedience, of surrender and worship, we are going to bear fruit. It's going to be powerful, world changing fruit and it will include kindness. Guys, will you commit with me today that we are going to open our eyes? We are going to have the courage to act and we're going to be willing to pay the price so that people will know the kindness of God. And in closing, I'd like to say this. May you know his kindness this week. May it transform your life. And may we all have the strength to demonstrate his kindness to those around us. And if you're weary, right back to the beginning, where the news flash was breaking in. If you are weary today, know his strength. Know his peace, his love, his arms surrounding you. And telling you that you can do this. He's got you. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for the example you gave of being kind. <laughs> the way you treated that leper never ceases to amaze me. It was beautiful, Lord, and I pray that I will be someone who can treat people the same way you did. Opening my eyes to see the need around me, being willing to act even when courage is needed and being willing to pay the price, whatever that price is, particularly reputationally. May we as a church know what it means to show your loving kindness to others, just as you've shown it to us. Lord, may we be become increasingly aware this week of how much you love us and how kind you have been to us. And may that uh, awareness that we get, may it transform our lives from the inside out. And as we choose to sit at your feet over these coming days and weeks, may fruit be produced in us that is so powerful and transformational in showing people what a good God you are. And Lord, we do thank you for the message at the start of this message about to keep on going 
And so we choose that we are going to keep on going. It may be hard to just put one foot in front of the other, but we choose to fix our eyes on you and we choose to allow hope to rise in our hearts again. So Lord, come and have your way in us and through us as we go about this day and this week. For your name's sake, I pray. Amen.